The books that the world calls immoral are books that show the world its own shame. Oscar Wilde, in a picture of Dorian Gray. He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced, the other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah. What is up everybody and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I am your host, Jamie Ward, and as far as I know, this is the only podcast that is solely devoted to Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book by Matthew Quick. And that is super important this week, that this week is talking about books that are adapted into films. Now, uh, this is this is a subject that I think has been super fun, and we're going to delve into it in the future even more because I'm not super prepared for this week's. I uh, I feel terrible right now. Um, not like guilty on the inside, like I physically feel terrible. I don't know what I lost a day. Um, <laughs> no, like it's gone. Not like I wasted my time. Okay, um, I slept for over 24 hours. I don't know why. I wasn't tired. I just didn't wake up for over 24 hours and I'm not feeling great. I don't know what's wrong with me. I I had been uh running some some hard days where I was staying up late and working really hard, but normally I don't sleep for a full over 24 hours straight. I haven't even done the math on how long I slept anyway. What is going on? Why am I so busy? Well, we're um, 2021 is the year when I am going to get my book publishing company off the ground. We had started that. Uh, I keep saying we, like I'm, I would not be working so hard if I had other people working along with me. No, it is just me. But, uh, we have, um, two other people that are looking to come on board. Uh, I have somebody who is, who I think is going to be the editor uh, and I have somebody who I think is, I, d- I don't know because I'm learning the publishing industry as I go, right? I've been doing a lot of research. Uh, yeah, I would call this person the director of development if this was a, a film company who is somebody that would go out and sort of look at projects and see if they were worth bringing on and, and developing for the film company. I don't know what that's called in a, in a, um, book publishing company. Uh, I, when I was looking up the structure of book publishing companies, it, it's the creative department, but I still, um, I feel like they just, they just have these other job titles that they might not be, uh, you know, as, as wed to this idea that you're going to have a, a specific chain of command as I'm used to working in different fields. So anyway, no, there will be uh, help eventually, but we've been doing a lot of things to get this book publishing company off the ground. We, I, I sort of secured the rights to do all the things I needed to do last year and then fell off the bandwagon real hard and just been sitting on it. But I've been inspired to make these things happen. They need, they need to. And the the amazing thing was, so I've got, um, you know, we got all our branding and, and graphic artists working on developing some stuff. I got, uh, I guess, Two, I guess it's like two days ago now or yesterday morning or sometime. Um, I got some, some concept sketches from somebody who is developing some logo art for our company. And I am very excited about it. It looks great. So when 
when that gets done, we'll definitely put some plugs up, put it on the website and stuff and, and brag about that. Um, got uh, some projects in development for the publishing company because there's no point in having a publishing company and then not publishing anything and trying to write my own uh, stories so that there's definitely something to publish there. One of the really big important things, though, that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make some time to read some stuff myself. I have not been a good reader. I think that's a reoccurring theme that we've had through this whole podcast is that I don't really read books. I could I could count the number of books that I've physically read hard copies of on two hands over my whole life, and we've discussed those books since. I've listened to audiobooks so far more, and but I, I want to, and it's one of those things that I'm not going into being a writer with this idea that I can just skip skip understanding the industry and the art form in and of itself. I learned that during doing stand-up comedy. A lot of people show up and they think, oh, I've, I've seen a stand-up comedy. I've seen a stand-up comic. I know stand-up comedy is. I'm just going to start doing a stand-up comedy. And, then they're, and they're not well-versed in the history of comedians that have come before them or the art of comedy. And there's there's been very, very few, and I say that as like they are the exceptions, few people that are just so naturally talented at it that they have been able to do it and, and don't seem to have spent that time studying or being brought up in stand-up comedy. But largely, if you want to succeed in a field, you should be a fan of that field and familiarize yourself in that field at least a little. At least know what is going on. Um, so I have spent the last couple of, uh, more like a year, I guess, uh, really doing a lot of research and trying to learn. Now I spent, I've spent more than the last year focusing on all sorts of writing. I've been, uh, studying writing mostly in the screenplay. Um, I like for film writing for film and TV, since 2000, uh, before when, when I was still in high school, I took workshops at local, um, local like adult learning centers when the screenwriters would give workshops or, or work at libraries on how to write those things. Cause that's what I wanted to get into, but I have, but I've never really studied book authors or stuff they've come on. And, and if you remember from silver linings playbook, books are a very important, but understated theme of, of the story, right? Uh, Pat does a lot of reading. One of, one of his first sort of symbolic actions that he's trying to take to correct bigger things in his life is that he feels like if he can read his ex-wife Nikki's summer reading list for her high school students, that that will somehow show his interest in things that, that, um, she, you know, and he can win her back. And so, and so he's reading, uh, different books throughout the movie and in the book book, he's reading books now. So I have been trying to split my time between working on business stuff, which I really, really enjoy, right? Like we've, we've secured, um, uh, the registration with the state to run a limited liability corporation. I have, a uh, virtual office set up with post office boxes, mailing addresses. We have secured all the rights we need for different um, copyrights, trademarks, intellectual property. Uh, I'm 
brushing all over that. Like, no, this is not big stuff. This is all little stuff that I, I, uh, I've done, um, started working on the website. Like I'm not really a web designer. We're probably going to outsource that at some point, but I'm not trying to spend a billion dollars to start a company that's not going to make any money back either. So that is, um, but, but we're taking, we're taking the tangible steps to get this, this company off the ground. Right, not just sitting around being like, "Oh, I would love to do this." We're actually doing things, and it's now that's that's I'm trying to spend uh, a proportion of my time doing that while still remembering that the most important part of any any company that's going to be dealing with with a creative uh, licensing or cre- creative property is to have really quality content. That's that's really good stories well-written stories, books, articles, magazines that we want to publish. Uh, they, those have to be good. It doesn't matter how good the company is. Uh, the company's got to be great. I, I want it all structured properly, the, the I's dotted and T's crossed, but what is the point of starting up a brand new company if we are not going to put out good content, right? That's the key to like everything. Uh, there's so many comedians that focus on, I want to get booked, I want to establish a brand. I just need to, to get my name out there. And then they don't have an act. The act is not very good. So, uh, you know, and this happens in every creative field. Bands that are more worried about getting a great band name than they are about writing, writing a really good song or something. So I'm trying to then split my time. It's not a good half and half. But so we're trying to think about splitting my time between writing and reading. Like I said, not a 50, 50 split. I need to, I, I, I enjoy writing. I'm lucky. A lot of people don't enjoy writing. Um, I've, I've listened to Stephen King's book on writing, which is one of the best books I've ever heard on, on writing. It's, it's not just an instruction manual. Um, it is, it's sort of a biography slash memoir slash, Hey, I'm telling the story of my life and you can learn the things that I've learned from the lessons from the narrative of my life. And normally this wouldn't even be an appealing book for me to have listened to the audio version, but the only person that I know that is an actual published author, um, recommended this book to me a a while, while back, uh, after she published her book and and said, if it's basically the only writing book you, anybody interested in writing needs to, to read. So, um, I, I listened to that audiobook uh, a long time ago, right? And I've, I've started re-listening to it just to remind myself of the different writing tools and it is great. So I can't recommend that any more to anybody else that wants to write, um, fiction. Um, I write on writing by Stephen King. He's, he's probably one of the best authors of of our generation right now. Um, I've also been learning. I, uh, um, I guess I spent over a year because I've already renewed, uh, my, my subscription, my annual subscription to the masterclass video series. But, uh, masterclass is, um, a bunch of online lessons from people that are masters of their craft. And so, you know, a year ago I started listening to, um, those just sort of looking at, and again, I got them for, for film type things, but you know, wanted to learn about the art of writing, writing 
as well. Uh, so one, um, listen to the, and it's like a three hour class by Neil Gaiman on the art of story writing. One of the greatest things I've ever listened to. Not only is he a master at conveying the information that he wants about how to be a writer. It's not really the, like the technicality. These are the rules of grammar. It's, it's sort of a larger thing about understanding story. Um, he is probably one of the, just the, the greatest people for me to, to, uh, have discovered over the last number of years. Um, and even then, like I was very resistant to actually, I, I, um, watched his masterclass and had not even ever read anything by him, seen any films by him <laughs> or, so I didn't know any of the things he did. All I knew was his name was thrown around in author circles. And I was like, huh, um, I, f I actually need to get around to watching or listening to one of those. And I didn't, um, initially, but, but when I watched his masterclass, uh, he the, the way he taught his class was like a story in and of itself. And it was pretty amazing. Um, I watched, uh, Joyce Carol Oates, who is a short story writer. Again, another person never read anything that she has done, but I definitely want to because it was a really great, um, course on how to write short fiction and stuff. And, and she really, uh, talks about drawing from, from her life and reality, um, listen to, uh, David Sedaris. He is one that I am familiar with because I've listened to audiobooks and presentations of him in the past and some of the radio shows that I used to like to, he was always a contributing sort of author presenter. Um, like when I, I used to listen to different, uh, national public radio shows. And so, uh, again, all, all of these people, uh, sort of about like mining your life and, and reality for, for your writing things. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of ironic that, uh, when I'm saying when, when I watched the masterclass of these people, when I took the, the online course that, uh, David Sedaris was the only one that I was actually familiar with the works of because, uh, genre wise, I feel like he's the least accessible considering the kinds of things I like. I wouldn't normally want to sit down and read an article about a different person's life. Um, per, like I don't, I don't really not into memoirs or anything. Uh, but, he, um, he, what he used to contribute to, to, uh, what's it called? Um, this American life, which is one of the greatest, uh, storytelling sort of, um, I, I don't know what call it mediums. I don't know enough words. I hope, I hope this is just because I'm, I'm still groggy because I I've just woken up uh, after a long slumber, um, but also I'm not that smart and don't know that many words anyway. So uh, yeah, this person that's just on their podcast talking about how much they want to be a writer and don't even know how to speak. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, and I've read a whole bunch of others. Uh, Aaron um, Aaron Sorkin's masterclass is really great. It is focused on writing for. TV and movies, but you know, there's a lot of similarities. All, all these different writers sort of approach writing with, I have a different specialty, you know, you might be a screenwriter, you might be a comedy writer, uh, you might write news articles or a journalist, but 
but the principles of good writing are right well so there is that um so yeah i've i've been uh dividing my time uh, up between those things uh one i that's my attempt to learn writing and and i'm writing writing now the other half of what i'm doing is i'm trying to read i've been really bad about that uh i've i've been reading right now i'm i'm on comic books uh when i say comic books graphic novels um i am almost done i'm on the 10th uh volume of the the one through ten volumes of the sandman graphic novels which i guess actually this it i call it a graphic novel this was originally released as a comic book but this is basically the thing that made neil gaiman famous uh that um was the sandman comic books right and i'm i'm almost done it's like i I got these back in october uh they were released right around my birthday the the 25th anniversary or maybe 30th anniversary reprinting of them because they're kind of old and i and they're absolutely amazing and he neil wrote the story and sort of created the characters of them i i'm embarrassed that like i should it should be faster for me to read now it is now reading volumes one through ten uh is over three thousand pages technically of reading but it is comic book reading so you know a page doesn't even take a minute it should be pretty fast but yet i'm just i'm not a great reader especially when it comes to comic books too I've, in some ways i feel like it's actually harder which is stupid to say because it's like picture books right picture books should be way faster to read i think it's there's something that's sort of heavier or deeper about them there's a difference books when you read just just the written word it allows you to form the picture completely in your head and if you have a good imagination you can sort of do it just as fast as you're reading right along with the words so a well-paced book you can sort of go um you know as fast as you read as as fast as you can take in the story comic books have this really sort of different pace too because it's sort of like you do you do you look at the picture and then read the words that go along with them uh they so comic books really they tell you the pace that they want you to read them at which i think is really different from books books this is actually the second book before before i read this i read the um the watchman graphic novel by alan moore which again i I sort of looked up what are the the most iconic graphic novels of all time this is this is another thing that's sort of on the same level uh where it's it is a comic book but it is um there's there's a lot of lists of like all the greatest books of all time and alan moore's also makes a lot of those lists as uh, on lists of regular book books as opposed to like what are the most iconic comic books of all time interestingly enough people think that sandman is way more accessible than watchmen which it is because it's it's uh, just a straightforward comic sandman is um the the watchman is a very difficult comic book to read and why that is is because it is not just a comic book it is 
book book two, right? Like you you read several several pages of comic book panel, and then there's just straight, and then it'll switch to just straight up, like you know, this is an excerpt from a fictional book that was written by one of the characters, and you'll have three to four very very lengthy uh, pages from a novel that is like an excerpt, and so a lot of people find that the pacing of that book is, is extremely hard to read through, um, you know, fans, fans don't, I'm not saying it's not unenjoyable, but you know, sometimes when people want to read a comic book or a book book, you sit down and you sort of, you have this expectation, this is what I'm going to do. And it is remarkably hard to sort of get yourself the transition back and forth through it. In fact, I even did some research. I was on, on, uh, I taught myself Reddit this I say like teach myself Reddit. Reddit's just a website. Um, but it for some reason it took me a very long time to get into the, the um my willingness to use it because I, I heard people talk about anyway. It's a message board. If you're not familiar with what Reddit is, uh I, I still don't know how to use it exactly. I um I just type my questions into Google, but very often I am taken to a Reddit answer. So I understand how to read it now. I do not know how to go onto Reddit and look up anything, but I understand how to read it. So that that is sort of uh, the, um, how the how those things are going. So I read, I read the, and I guess it's like four or 500 page Watchmen. I'm almost through reading Sandman. There's there's way more Sandman than the originals, but I was really only interested right now in reading the original uh, Sandman storyline. Um, I uh, had a false start on reading uh, the the book that Pat was, was reading, the Ernest Hemingway novel Farewell to Arms. I actually think I'm going to pause on that and start reading short stories by Hemingway prior to that. That was a recommendation uh, from the Joyce Carol Oates masterclass that saying, if you want to learn reading from reading the greats, um, that, that Hemingway's short stories were way more instruction instructional uh, in sort of the art of crafting short stories, which is the focus of what I am trying to do writing wise right now. So uh, I definitely want and and I just received my copy yesterday in the mail of The Dubliners by James Joyce. So hopefully that's as soon as I finish Sandman, which I, I am hoping to do later today, then I will start reading uh, Dubliners by James Joyce. Um, again, not going to get too much into all of that right now. I say that we've already been in that so that I'm trying to read. If anybody has any great recommendations for short stories, uh, really good stories, I have a, n- a, a number of other ones that are on my reading list currently. Probably going to spend the next year trying to get through both of those recommendations because <laughs> I'm not a good reader. So anyway, uh, way too long into this intro, which we weren't even going to do a full episode, but hey, we're this far along. Maybe we'll just go for it. Um, this week, I wanted to talk about uh, the best movies that have been uh, adapted from books. Now we're going to start on a list. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different lists. This is not my list. 
All right, we're just going off an internet list right now of some of the best movie adaptations of books because, as you know, Silver Linings Playbook is completely an adaptation of a book, The Silver Linings Playbook by Matthew Quick. So what are some other books that have been turned into movies uh, and, and good movies? Uh, actually, next week, let's do an episode on my list of top these, but, so this is not in any order right now. This is just a, a sort of internet reminder of movies that have been adapted from books right now. Okay. We got uh, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, which is a classic book and a classic movie. The Godfather by Mario Puzo. Now this, again, we, I guess this is not in order because to have this at, at second, um, The Godfather is widely considered to be one of the best films of all time. I'm sort of curious. I don't know where it's ranked as a book. I I think from my memory that I'm actually remembering that uh, this is one of those things where it's considered not one of the great books of all time, but a really, really good film adaptation of the book. Maybe something that should have been a movie the whole time. I know that Mario Puzo was a very popular author, um, a lot of his books have been read and loved and, and he's sort of, he was sort of like the mafia, uh, crime genre author in, in the way that like Tom Clancy sort of became the, the military book novel, uh, New York times bestseller author. It's sort of like a pop genre of books. Do books have different genres? I don't know. We're going to have to figure that out. I think, and, and it's weird because I'm wondering if the genres are more, more like music with, with the different sort of subject matter, or if they're more like film, um, with, cause I know, I know if you go to a library or a bookstore, they're, they're definitely sort of organized in different areas according to their topic. But it's weird because then you just have like, fiction uh and non-fiction with some breakout genres that are more specific like mystery but then you can have true crime as opposed to fiction too it's really weird we'll that's not the topic of the week we'll discuss later okay little women by louisa may alcott um this there's multiple portray uh depictions of this on film i think there's three different ones the most recent 2019 Little Women, which was uh, uh, screenplay by Greta Gerwig, which we have mentioned numerous times on this podcast in the past, because it was one of my favorite movies of 2019. Uh, definitely on the list of of movies that I liked, even beyond just movies of the last year, because it was a fantastic movie, one of the best movies I've seen in a very long time. Okay. The Color Purple, which is based on a book by Alicia uh, Alice Alice Walker. Uh, the Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Ishiguro. Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen. Forrest Gump by Winston Groom. Persepolis by Marjane Satrapi. Uh, this is, this is an interesting one because this is one where I have read, no, I have not, um, where I have seen the movie. <laughs> uh, 
I have not read the book is based on, but I was curious too. Uh, Persepolis is an animated film that is adapted from a graphic novel, again, by Marjane Satrapi. Uh, this was actually, I had a copy of it sent to me when I was in Afghanistan and came out and it's really great. It's so I'm fascinated by this because it's a not, it's, it's, uh, it was a really great film, but it was based on something that I'm super not very fluent in. And that is a nonfiction graphic novel. The, this woman told the story of her life. And I think, um, she, she was, uh, talking I feel so bad because I remember so little about it, except for the fact that it really sort of impacted me at the time because the animation style is very cool where it really, it's an animated film that looks very close to the way I'm believing that it was uh, drawn in the graphic novel. But it, it just so fascinates me so much that somebody would tell their story through a comic format as opposed to just the written word only. Uh, so that's definitely go on my list very interested of of things that i would like to read eventually okay uh dr Zhivago by boris pasternak the princess bride by william goldman hidden figures by margot lee shet shetterly that was an unfortunate place to pause on her name shetterly uh schindler's list by thomas keenley harry potter's one through eight by jk rowling um or nine i don't uh i don't know i should know there this happened during my lifetime but uh and i don't know if if that was another a series that um did they make one movie per one book or something does that mean there was eight books i don't know it's amazing that i would have grown up with these things being uh coming out like right during my youth and i I don't know. Um, Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Again, uh, with, with some of the other uh, classic novels that get film adaptations, there's multiple adaptations of this as a film, but uh, there's definitely... Okay. Uh, the Devil Wears Prada by Lauren Weisberger. The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien's. Now, I do know this. I know because I just... I just tried to rewatch a whole bunch of... I watched... I think I think I spent a day watching Lords of the Rings movies. And uh, there's I, I think three Lord of the Rings movies. I believe there's one movie per one book, right? And then there's three Hobbit movies. Um but I think there's only one Hobbit book. Cause I think I tried to read this in high school when I was trying to get into that stuff and I never I made it through like two chapters and stuff. I feel like those are very heavy books. Anyway, I don't really want to get off into those right now. Um either. Because this is because I I was burning through that list so I could get to the point of the list that I really wanted to talk about. That is uh the Shawshank Redemption, which is a Stephen King story. It is a novella that was originally titled Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. And this is a super classic movie, uh, sort of think of it as a, a new classic, something that, you know, is not, it's, um, you know, made within the last 30 years, 
but we'll we'll you know continue to be on lists of people's favorite movies and stuff for a long time because i I, rem- I saw it once and i remembered it was probably pretty good it never it never struck me the way people love it love it i think it's one of the greatest movies um but i definitely thought it was very good i you know i i i had a conversation with my friend the other day where i was realizing that that uh, the 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 best um the best compliment i can give to something that doesn't instantly go to my list of favorite things in the world is uh i I don't feel that i wasted my time watching or reading that right it sounds terrible but i mean it's actually the nicest thing i can say about something right like there's things where where it's i'm never gonna go reread it or i'm never gonna go rewatch it but i don't regret having spent the time to absorb it once and that's that's where most media should be right like i think there's there's the whole statistical bell curve idea of most if you're if you have a whole bunch of 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 a thing most with with random distribution right like most of those things will be in the middle most of those things will be an average um we we're so averse to this idea that a three out of five rating of something, right? Like a product on Amazon, if it gets three out of five stars, oh, well, I only want a five out of five star. Most things should have an average rating. If you don't, that really takes away the the strength or weakness of a one or five star rating. And I'm only saying one through five, like that's not an official, uh, you know, measure of something of a metric on IMDb, Internet Movie Database. They rank movies out of 10 stars so again then like a five or six star rating is fine we shouldn't be afraid to be like oh you know i want to watch something but maybe i'm not in the mood to absorb the world's greatest film right now i don't want to sit and watch uh eight and a half or something oh this this uh movie got five or six out of ten that's fine i can kill 90 minutes to two hours watching this and and not hate that I spent my time on it. It doesn't mean you did poorly making it. That's what they're ranked. So the reason we were running down the, the list of different movies that were uh, adapted from books is because when I was doing my research and got to this point, uh, I started to wonder how many how many um, things have been adapted from Stephen King works. And I then found another sub list, which is uh, the top 30 stories that are specifically Stephen King stories that have been adapted into movies. Now, I believe there's even more than what this list was. This is a little bit of an old list, too. But I just I wanted to go on a slight breakdown because how impressive is that? He's there. He has to, this is why I think he has to be one of the best storytellers of our generation right now, because so many of his written works have been so beloved that you get to this point where people say, I want to, uh, remediaize this into a different format to make it more accessible for people that will never sit here and read your book. I'm not saying that's the motivation behind what they're saying. Sometimes they do this to make more money. Sometimes they do this because it's just, it's got such a fan base that, uh, people would enjoy seeing it in a, in a different medium. I don't, I don't know, but 
anyway, let's start. Uh, this is from a Rolling Stone magazine list of the top 30 Stephen King stories that have become movies. Uh, I think the the author thought that they were covering all of those, but I have a couple at the end that I'm going to bring up that I, I think didn't even make the list, which is kind of surprising to me. So it's, this is not an inclusive list, and it might be uh, a dated list. But anyway, the, according to Rolling Stone magazine, the, the 30th uh, film created by based on a Stephen King story, The Night Flyer by uh, 1997 film. I've never heard of it. Number 29, The Mangler, a 1995 film. I have never heard of that either. 28, Dreamcatcher, a 2003 film. Now I am wondering if it is um, based on the movie poster that I am thinking of right now. If so, then I heard that that was a terrible, terrible movie, but I do not know. Um, Number 27, 1408 a 2007 movie. I think I saw that. I don't remember. Uh, 26 maximum overdrive, a 1986 film. Uh, I do not think I've seen that. Number 25, the lawnmower man, 1992 film. Have not seen that movie, but I do remember seeing the movie poster or box. Um, if, if you've been following this podcast or you know me personally, you know that I, uh, most, for some reason, and I guess it's because I have a visual focused memory that, uh, when I, when I remember that I, I know so many movies from their poster slash movie box, not from the actual movie itself. Never saw the one more man anyway, but I, I feel like if if anybody ever brings up that in conversation, I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember the, the movie box. I guess because I spent a lot of time looking at movie boxes. Uh, okay. Number 24. Hearts in Atlantis, a 2001 movie. Uh, don't think I saw that, but I do remember the box. Number 23. Thinner, 1996. I remember the trailer for that um was not interested in the horror genre at the time so i've not seen that number 22 secret window 2004 i totally remember the trailer and the box for for that but have never seen it number 21 needful things 1993 didn't realize they made a whole movie about this this is one of the short stories that i have added to my list of things that i need to read pretty soon Actually didn't even know that was a Stephen King novel or a short story either. And when I'm saying that, I mean, I was like there was several days ago, uh, probably last week when I, I started writing my list of short stories that I needed to read because I thought they'd be super relevant into the type of writing I'm trying to do and needful things was on that list. And apparently I didn't even do enough research to know that it was based on a Stephen King short story. All right. Uh, the green mile. 1999 saw that much like Shawshank Redemption I think it was one of those where it's like I remember yeah I thought it was a great movie don't remember anything about it except um there was a mouse all right number 19 Silver Bullet a 1985 film now this is weird 
because Rolling Stone, as far as I know from the article, did rank these in order uh, from worst to best. I thought people liked The Green Mile a lot, and I've never even heard of this film, Silver Bullet. So either they did a really poor job ranking it because Green Mile is at number 20 and Silver Bullet is at number 19, or Silver Bullet is just way better than I uh, would know based on the fact that I've never heard it before reading this list. All right, number 18, Cujo, 1983. Number 17, The Running Man, 1987. Now, I do love the running man. Um, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if you were ranking movies, uh, running man would not be 17 with again, the green mile being number 20. Now I green mile doesn't necessarily make any of my lists of like top favorite movies, but I would, you know, put it on my, on list, categorize it of, uh, that was a, a very good movie based on, book i was actually i was super surprised too because i watched it uh hearing people think oh the green mile is such a great movie not realizing at the time that it was based on a stephen king story uh one of the reasons i like stephen king so much is that he's he's known as sort of the uh premier horror genre author of our days but but he really is so much more too uh running man the running man is a science fiction film. Now, the reason I, l- I love this movie is, I've, from what I can remember, I got to see it in little school, um, which is kind of weird. I, I feel I could be wrong. My memory is not great when it comes to these type of things. I feel like, for some reason, we went to school one day, and it was one of those days where the teacher brought out like, hey, we're watching a movie instead of doing work, which always makes, uh, you know, a school kid excited. Um, I don't remember why you could possibly justify showing the running man uh, in school as opposed to having a whole day's worth of lessons. But I feel like we did. If my memory is totally off and I watched it during film school, then... That would sort of justify watching any movie as long as you have some film principle, right? But I don't. I could I could have this completely messed up. Not important because I don't think anybody thinks The Running Man is a great movie. It's just sort of one of those like, oh, if you like 1980s science fiction, um, it's it's one of them, you know? Oh, it's one of it's uh, it's a three out of five star 80s science fiction film. Unless I'm not even remembering the right film. Uh, as I'm talking about this, I am also remembering Logan's Run, but I think I've seen that separately, too. Uh, I also feel like I watched that in school for no reason at all. Maybe that's why I'm not so smart. Maybe I'm not educated and not good at reading books because my teachers were always showing us old science fiction movies that we had no reason to watch. All right, number 16 on the list, Pet Cemetery, 1989. Number 15, Cat Eyes, 1985. I feel again like this has got to be a, t- a terrible list. i not in a place to talk about it authoritatively because uh, as much as I, I know I've just been talking up Stephen King, I can't really call myself a Stephen King fan because I have not taken in a lot of his content. I have not watched a lot of his movies and I have not read anything 
by him physically. All I'm, I'm basing this off on is I've, I enjoy the things that I have uh, known uh, that he inspired. And I've heard quotes and interviews by him that are really brilliant. And I'm pretty sure that of these things that I know uh, of the, the movies, such as uh, The Running Man, The Green Mile, um, Hearts in Atlantis, Lawnmower Man, there's no way there's a 1980 film called Cat Eyes that I've never heard of that is better than all of those. Is there? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I could be totally wrong on this. Okay. Number 14, Firestarter, 1984. Again, never, I'm not familiar. Number 13, Art Pupil, 1998. Never heard of it. Uh, number 12, The Dark Half, 1993. No, no. Number 11, Dolores Claiborne, 1995. Number 10, Creep Show, 1982. We're finally starting to get into where I've heard of most of these things by Stephen King. Uh, still not really able to comment on whether the list is correct, but I just I feel in my gut like it's wrong. If anybody knows about Stephen King better than I do, which should be anybody that knows anything about Stephen King, then um, I'd be very interested to know how wrong this list is, or if I'm just off base, um, which I could be because I'm basing all my assumptions on absolutely nothing. Number nine, the mist 2007. Number eight, Christine 1983. Number seven, children of the corn 1984. Number six, the Shawshank redemption 1994. Number five, The Shining, 1980. Uh, so now we're, I, th- I feel like uh, if, if this list has not been accurate on the one for one ranking, if you were to, to split it up into like groups of five or 10, maybe it would be more accurate there. Cause I do feel like we're getting into the realm of these last top 10 feel like his most popular properties that have put out been put out and you you know i'm sure super fans could debate the actual placement rankings within those groups of 10 but uh you know taken in a in a larger um look you can be like oh yeah these are the best 10 these are the most moderate 10 these are the least favorited 10 i guess uh okay where were we? The The Shining, uh, number four, Stand By Me, 1986. Number three, The Dead Zone, 1983. Number two, Misery, 1990. And the number one, top movie based off of a story by Stephen King is Carrie. So I guess that's uh, that's a fine list. I so from a film standpoint, and I feel bad because I haven't seen either of these movies that I'm going to comment on. I still very strongly feel like The Shining should be higher than Carrie. Um, 
I could be wrong. I believe Carrie is beloved within the genre of horror films, and so is The Shining. But I know as far as lists of of top movies for film's sake, I believe The Shining would be much higher than Carrie. So I'm not sure. Maybe this list is not based on the top movies, like how good the movie is, based off of the story. But it's films based on and then ranking Stephen King's stories. Two. So there's actually three ways I can see this list. And, and one is the way I just said, where you you take the list in ascending order of the top stories of Stephen King that often that, that happen to have uh, film versions of them, which I'm guessing this list is. You could have a list uh, of what are the best um, the best versions of a Stephen King story, which is not based on whether it was a good film, whether it was a good story, but how good a job did they do making a film version of the story. And then you could have the third way, which I was just assuming this list was, but when I'm reading it, feeling like I hope it's not the way they thought they were doing it, which is the best movie uh, as far as how you would rank a movie that also happens to be based on a Stephen King story. Now, the reason that I think, I know this list is a little old, but I still, I was reading the comments of people's on this too, to sort of get some more insight into it. Uh, I, I know there's several, um, uh, Stephen King stories that, that I know that haven't, that aren't even on this list. And I'm very surprised. Uh, one, the, the Langoliers, um, Gerald's game and it, it is the one I'm most surprised to not see on this list. I feel like that should be, I don't know, maybe in the top five on this list too. The only thing I can think is that this list is old enough and it's not, it's not because I know I know that the film adaptations of it came out recently over the last couple of years. There was a made-for-TV version that I guess was a mini-series or TV version that um, you know one of the person people in the comments was saying that maybe that's why it didn't make the list because it was a TV adaptation. But why would you still not put a TV for movie version because it is such an iconic? I mean, it's got it. It has to be one of one of Stephen King's just he's known for that as a book and it is a movie now and I I super enjoyed the movie I tried to listen to the audio book and I I couldn't do it um, I, I want to give it another try I think it's one of those that actually I can't be driving while I listen to I was excited because I it's like a 40 hour, um, audio book. And I was like, this is great because it'll take up a lot of time. It'll be multiple drives, uh, you know, of something I enjoy. And I did kind of enjoy it, except I feel like it's, it's written in a very strange format where it keeps jumping between different time periods and characters where, uh, it might be easier to just keep, keep organized what's happening if you're actually reading the actual book or, or if you're listening to the audiobook, you sort of have to do it in chunks. Um, be like, Hey, I'm listening to, to the first of a 12 part series, which is, Oh, the original, sorry. Um, 
Gerald's Game is a is a uh, movie that I saw on Netflix just recently, last couple months, based on a Stephen King story. That didn't make this list at all. It might have been like a direct to Netflix, or, or I mean, I feel like it's not a Netflix film, but there's several there's several weird horror films on Netflix right now based on Stephen King stories that I don't think we're in theaters or at least we're, we're some kind of adaptation like for TV or something. So maybe that th- this list is just not covering those kinds of things. Um, so who knows? Anyway, I, I, um, I probably will never be an author and I'll probably never get my book publishing company started and I probably, uh, just need to go away and die. Right. (laughs) Um, because this was a really pointless list, but I didn't want every week of my podcast to be just being excuse of what we're not having a podcast. So anyway, I think, uh, even though nothing important was discussed except me basically just reading lists off the internet, um, this, Uh, is bringing up a lot of interesting things, which given more time, hopefully we can dive into in a more, uh, the silver linings playcast way in future weeks. Cause I would definitely like to actually have a list of my favorite film adaptations and stuff. So I guess in the meantime, uh, let me know if you have any favorite books that became movies and was, was the great thing about them because, uh, they were good movies, they were good books, or they were the top uh, adaptations of a movie into a book. I I think, you know, we talked about earlier in, in this, not this podcast, but in the series, that there's some significant changes between Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. And I think, I think those changes were really good in helping make the movie the best movie it could be based on a book that is good as a book. Right. Um, I'm super tired right now because I don't know what is wrong with me. There's something, I don't know why I should be so tired after having slept for over, over a day too. Uh, so we're going to wrap this up, but anyway, that was our list. We will hopefully come back if I'm so, I hope I wake up. I mean, like tomorrow, because I f- I feel like I'm just floating right now. Um, it's a very strange feeling. I don't know where I am, or who I am, or what's going on. But I do know that I love you, and I will see you uh, down the road. And Excelsior. He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane Keeping energy really messes with his brain One is divorced, the other's husband is dead That's why it's so messed up in the head It's a silver linings play cast Oh yeah